You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, as I sit here waiting for the Packers to do things, it's becoming... I, I, something has to give. I mean, if you look all around, I they have to be within salary cap compliance. So they are in the black, although we obviously don't know exactly how. We don't have all the details of everything um, because everywhere you go, everybody has a different number for the Packers, and pretty much everybody has them still as negative. I mean, not everybody, everybody, but uh, pretty much. I mean, the, the, they, they got no money. That's, that's for sure. At the same time, however, you have a fan base that's growing restless because the Packers aren't doing anything, and I don't know exactly how... I've said it directly, but it seems like I'll say it, and then they'll ask the same question again. Why aren't they doing anything? And it's like, nothing's changed, man. They literally don't have any money right now. So what has to happen first is the Packers have to free up money because we're not in the offseason or that part of the offseason now where you can be negative. So they can't go out and sign somebody and then figure it out. Nope, you have to be in compliance every day forever, you know, until the end of the season. So not a single thing is going to get done until they free up more money. And as best as I can tell, there's not too many avenues left. For the most part, I have to assume that there's nobody really getting cut anymore. The only reason somebody would get cut is if they're really, really trying to trade somebody and they think it's going to happen, and they're just hanging on to that, that they're going to get some kind of compensation. But most of those guys have just been flat out cut by now. Um, it also would have to imply that there is no roster bonus coming up because most of those are all paid out. Um, so, for example, Dean Lowry, I don't believe, has a roster bonus, so maybe, but I think it's more likely that they just genuinely like Dean Lowry despite the fact that we don't necessarily understand that at 27 years old. Plus, they just would rather have him than not because we're already kind of in trouble at the position. So, uh, again, that could be an option, but it's unlikely. I don't think they're planning on getting rid of anybody else. And financially, there's really not a lot of people that make sense that they could get rid of. Um, you know, Mason Crosby saves a million bucks, right? I mean, it's mostly silly stuff. And most of these guys are people that we just brought back. You know, Chandon Sullivan, you know, Adrian Amos, we save two million bucks. Cool, we lose one of the best safeties in football and save $2 million so we can go out and sign nobody. Great. So that really leaves, like, two things. Extend Devontae, restructure Aaron Rodgers. I'm quite positive, and I think everybody's on board with this at this point, that they have no intention of restructuring Aaron Rodgers. They would rather not restructure him and not sign anybody than restructure him just to sign somebody. And again, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but, I mean, you tell me why, right? I mean, when I suggest that the Jordan Love thing, that there was something more to it than just he was top of the board, people don't seem to like that very much. When I suggest that the MVP quarterback maybe the new coach and new GM aren't as locked in as some fans are. People get mad. You explain why they won't restructure him. It saves us money, lots of money that we do need right now. 
I mean, we have to free up money. We may have to extend them just because there's no other money left. We don't have any money right now. What, are we going to forfeit our draft picks because we can't pay them? But they really, really, really don't want to. And again, I, you know, you tell me why. Because the only negative is that it pushes money into the future, which is fine because we have more money then, and his cap hit goes down in two years. So like I said, if you do my little trick with uh, voidable years, it kind of just accelerates into that final year where there's basically no money being paid to Rodgers. So all it is is a two-year commitment for Aaron Rodgers, or, or three if you include this year. Are you willing to commit to MVP Rodgers for this year, next year, and the year after? And then after that, we can possibly move on. The Packers are going, nah, we'll see how it goes. Well, what do you mean we'll see how it goes? It's a simple question. Like, you're not going to cut him after this year, right? See how it goes. That's the message I'm getting loud and clear from the Packers. And again, I don't necessarily disagree. And this isn't because I hate Aaron Rodgers. It's just about keeping your options open. You never know. And we already have a quarterback waiting in the wings. I mean, it's kind of similar to the, I'd love to say the A.J. Dillon thing, but we just signed Aaron Jones. But it's very similar to that. If it came to the point where Aaron Jones wanted $13 million a year, if it came to the point that Aaron Jones' play completely fell off the planet, guess what? We're good because we got a guy and he's ready to go and he's real good. If by some miracle Aaron Jones is still a stud and only wants nine-something million a year with, through some weird freakish thing, I still, I don't know, I'm, I'm going with that, then I guess we'll hang on to him. And I kind of feel like that's where we are with Rodgers. And we don't have to be super black and white about it where this is stupid, of course they're committed to him and they're never going to let him go, or they're not restructuring and therefore he's 100% cut next year, which I've seen that take as well. If they don't restructure him, he's definitely getting cut. No, I think they just want to keep their options open, and that's it. And we can sit here and guess. That's fine. That's fine for fans to do. We can sit here and go, well, I'm 90% sure that he's going to just kill it this year, because why wouldn't he? Because he's a, he's a freak, and we can make excuses for every year in which he wasn't a freak, and, and you know, so that, you know, he's going to be great. Well, I think there's a, a 25% chance. Fine. You can play the odds. It's irrelevant to the Packers' leadership. We want to keep our options open. Now, the the little awkward, big fat elephant sitting in the living room here between us is the fact that they extended a bunch of guys. They committed to Zadarius. They committed to Billy Turner. Maybe not as much so because we're not talking about nearly the same amount of money. But you know, there's that, right? It's not that they're not willing to restructure or commit to people. They committed to David Bakhtiari with his massive contract and restructure. They're not exactly willing to show the same level of commitment to Aaron Rodgers. And again, that upsets some people, and I can understand it. But let's let's also be very clear about what I've been saying about the 20% of the salary cap going to a quarterback and how much the Packers have to realize that that's unbelievably unhealthy. And I think when you're a quarterback and you demand that kind of respect and the team shows it to you, you're going to get it because you're Aaron Rodgers, but you also put a tar- target on your own back. And that's just the game you play. When you say, I want 20% of the cap, automatically, if you show a slight little slip, if you don't play 100% up to that, we're moving on. And we're going to start drafting quarterbacks to replace you, and we're going to be ready to move on when the time comes, because this is, this is crazy. This is getting into crazy territory. You want it, you got it, big guy, because we, we can't let you go. You're, you're Aaron Rodgers, but you better not slip up. That's, that's kind of the, the territory he's in. The only other thing outside of Aaron Rodgers, and you know, again, I can't walk through that without talking about it, is Devontae. 
Now, some people are starting to get concerned that maybe they don't want to extend Devontae. Maybe they're going to move on from Devontae. I think there's almost no chance that that happens. I think there's obviously some some problems, and I really do think it has a lot to do with our contra- or our cap situation. I think if we were not in such a cap nightmare right now, this would be kind of a no-brainer. But you got Devontae Adams saying, I want to be the highest paid wide receiver in football. And obviously, we got one guy that really threw a wrench in all this. You got DeAndre Hopkins, who's getting $27.25 million a year. Now, the total guarantees are not all that great. It's kind of a little bit of funny money, but I mean, that's that's ridiculous. The next highest is $22 million. Although, what did Galladay just get? Did he just bust that? I think he did. But we're, we're, we're looking, let's just say, comfortably somewhere in the ballpark of $25 million a year is what Devontae's probably asking for. And the Packers are like, yeah, so here's the thing. We got about a million bucks to spend this year. <laughs> and I don't know how to structure a $25 million per year contract in which we are in cap compliance for this year. Right? So it's just, again, I, I think if, if the Packers are flush with cash, 20 million plus, which 20 is not necessarily flush, but you can play with that. I think there's a good chance we've had this taken care of already. And and even if we didn't, we wouldn't need to. There'd be no rush. We can get it done at the start of the year, like a lot of these big contracts, like Kenny and like Rogers and all these guys, usually sometime around training camp preseason, that these contracts get done. The problem is we need money right now. We have to find it in the next month. And there's not a whole lot of other places to get it. So they have to push to get this done. But I don't know how they're going to get it done. Devontae's not going to just take a, a garbage contract just to save the Packers from themselves. He didn't ask them to go out and get all these free agents. He didn't ask them to get Preston. And, Zid- and by the way, we could have cut Preston. Chose not to. Well, yeah, technically we didn't really. I mean, he kind of took the pay cut <laughs> anyways that we would have gotten. Could have got rid of Billy Turner. We can't now because of his restructuring, but we could have cut him and saved a bunch of money. Chose not to. Could have moved on from Aaron Jones. Saved a bunch of money. We chose not to. That's the Packers' decision. He doesn't have to take a pay cut now. So I, I don't know, man. It, it's going to be interesting to see what it is that they choose to do. I don't like this new version of the Green Bay Packers. I'll be completely honest. I'm happy that we got Zedarius. I'm very happy that we got Amos. But I think some of these things, like Preston, I think was a mistake. I would rather we're not paying Preston Smith even the $8 million that he's going to get, or almost 9 I think keeping Dean Lowry and extending Dean Lowry was a mistake. I still kind of am not so sure Aaron Jones was the best option, considering how bad of a situation we're in and that we have A.J. Dillon. I'm not mad about it. I love the duo, all that, but we're in a lot of trouble here. I don't like that we got, I never liked that we got Billy Turner. Yes, he's a good football player that's a role player, but I just, it's too much. It's too much money. And I'm glad that we got it down to 4.8 this year, but we're, we're kind of locked in long term to a guy that I've never been fully on board with, anyways. And instead of getting rid of him and freeing up even more money, we chose not to, and, and we're just we're just choosing not to do the hard things this year. And and the problem is we're just extending these problems. This is the same thing the Vikings do all the time. That that just I just laugh at them. Like, ha ha, you're just kicking the can down the road. Now you're stuck. Now what are you gonna do, dummy? Now we're doing it. And we're poisoning the well in the future. And I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sh- I, I'm sure there's a plan, but again, it's kind of like the whole credit card thing that I said. It's not going to be a good thing. It's going to be a necessary thing. And I, I really, I don't know at this point, I understand the Aaron Rodgers thing, but it's, I'm to the point now where it's like, dude, just suck it up and extend the guy. I'm a big Jordan Love fan. I, I, I am, of all the Packer fans, I am one of the most, like, do what you got to do fans that there is, right? It's, it is what it is. Of course, I love Aaron Rodgers, just like everybody loves Aaron Rodgers, but you got to do what you got to do. 
And hey, if Jordan Love is the guy, nice. You know, finding that third guy is a near impossibility. And if you're saying he's the guy, I'm jacked about it. Let's get it going. But I, I don't know what our options are right now. $37.2 million just sitting on the table. We need some of that money, man. Figure it out. I don't know how else we get out of this. Again, and, and, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm sure there's something I'm missing. I'm not a, a you know, I'm not Russ Ball. I'm, I'm in nowhere in that guy's league. Would never try to pretend to be. Well, actually, that's not true. I am pretending to be right now, but, you know, not claiming to be on his level and understand all the nuances and all the tricks and everything else that he can do. But the way I see it, you push as hard as you can to get Devontae to sign on the dotted line. And again, I don't even know what you can do. I mean, you got, you got to work it out that you can give him a massive contract and still bring his cap hit down. Which they'll do, but I, you know we need a lot of money, and I just I don't even know if that's going to be enough. But whatever. Okay, so we we bring them down to ten million this year. That saves us six point seven. That almost gets us <laughs> almost gets us home. I don't know. I don't know. I I just I don't know how we get there without touching Aaron Rodgers thirty seven million dollars. I just don't know how we do it. But again, we try real hard to get the Devonte extension done. If we don't, though, I think they have to restructure Aaron Rodgers. Um, and as many people have pointed out, because he got his roster bonus, there is a certain date. It was, I don't know, the 22nd probably, or is that today? So Dean's was the 22nd. This says it was the 20th. So they paid him 6.8 million. So in other words, that's 6.8 that we cannot, we can no longer restructure because we just cut him the check, right? We can't say, Hey, I need that back. We're going to give you that later, which is again, another, um, another sign that they're just really not willing to do it. Or at the very least, at the very least, they're going to wait until the last second because they just don't want to. But um, again, it, it's kind of getting into the you're going to have to territory. That or we're all going to learn something real interesting about the salary cap in the future, right? Because I'm, I'm looking at it from every angle. Like, I, you know, I feel like you guys have, I thought we had a good plan, right? I, I, I went through some stuff. We cut a bunch of guys, extended a few guys, you know, restructured a couple guys. And we were, we were flush with cash, man. I had us, what, 20 million over the cap? Granted, I, I did some pretty extreme stuff, but I was fine with all of it. Now it's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. But again, we're either going to see something kind of big, either a restructure for Aaron Rodgers, an extension for Devontae, um, a cut, an extension. I had mentioned on my thing that I would love to work something out with Amos because, again, the guy's in the final year of his contract next year, and I just think the guy's a complete stud, always has been. I wouldn't mind tacking a year onto that or two, push a little bit of that money back, but they don't seem to want to do that either. I don't know. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but something has to happen. And um, it was kind of funny. I was looking through, there was a tracker of all the things done by every team, whether it be cuts or signings or whatever. Not surprisingly, the Packers had the least number of bullet points. I think there was two. Everybody else had like seven, eight, 12. <laughs> as far as guys they released, guys that they signed. Um, the Packers signed Aaron Jones and like, uh, I don't know. There was, one, there, was, there was one other thing. I don't even know what it was. So they've been, uh, you know, haven't done much, which is fine. You know, again, it's not just about doing stuff, but it's about you got to do something here. And I know everyone's all excited about, ooh, maybe they'll get this guy or that guy. I'd love to be able to play that game. But again, we're at like zero dollars. We have a little over a month until the draft. So, I mean, that's 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 time, but it ain't much time. So something has to be done in a month. Something's got to give. That or ideally when some of these numbers come out, we get some more solid concrete answers on things. Because again, when you see Ingles and Track and Over the Cap all with three different numbers, some serious information is lacking somewhere. 
Anyways, I got to take a break here. Um, probably going to end up being somewhat of a shorter episode. I technically should be done right now, but, um, you know, got to do what you got to do. But uh, again, thank you to everybody that supports me on Patreon. I don't think any of these guys are new, but we'll say shout out to Quentin and Henry just in case. Um, if you do want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month. And if you don't like the monthly payments, like a lot of people seem to not like, which I hate, you can just uh, go ahead and prepay for the year. Cost you 10 bucks. Just a thought. Also, big shout out to uh, Mike. Did a live stream yesterday. See if I can pull this up so I can get the names real quick. But Mike uh, dropped a donation on the stream. So thank you very, very much for that. And oh, Quentin. I wonder if that's, the, I, th- I thought it was Quentin. I wonder if it's the same Quentin that uh, is now supporting me on the Patreons. Not super common name, but thank you also to Quentin who dropped in a donation on yesterday's live stream. I really appreciate that. That was a heck of a grind. I don't know if I can do seven rounds again. That, that was brutal. But uh, you guys definitely made it worth it with those donations, so I'll, I'll probably have to do it again because it's hard to turn away from, uh, you know, from money. But again, any and all support is appreciated. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I, I quickly want to run through a couple things, uh, specifically some pro days. I want to start hammering a little bit more on um, NFL draft prospects now that we have a little bit more information. I know some people are skeptical because these are pro day numbers and not combine numbers, so they're not worried. They're a little worried about being officials or official or whatever, but it's good enough and it's all we're going to get. And I want to start with Mr. Greg Newsom. Um, he is becoming a really hot name for um, Packers fans as far as being an NFL cornerback. And I think at this point, I'm just going to settle into the reality that I'm just not going to be watching a lot of tape this year because um, I just I'm just not doing it and I'm not interested in doing it when the, when I decide to sit down and do it. It's like, eh, just I can't get into it, but I've got a flood of information. And so I'm kind of just reading between the lines and coming to those assessments. So if you watch him and you like him, cool. Um, I have not. And, and I, I got to be honest, I'm not a big fan based on what I'm seeing. So six foot one, one ninety. You can't necessarily say he's he's Kevin King esque because he's nowhere near as big. But he would at least to some degree fill into that um, larger role. He's really not though. But he's not five of ten, five eleven. But I, I'm I'm just getting some Kevin King vibes from these uh, pro day numbers. Everyone is extremely excited because he ran a four three seven, which is extremely fast. And at six foot one, although he's 190, he's not short. Uh, he's he's got the height to be able to compete and all that stuff. Um, he had a 40 inch vertical, so he can jump. But there are some serious red flags. Basically, every other thing 
about him is not impressive. Specifically, you know, the speed and the jumping he can do. That's exactly what Kevin King can do. But what about his fluidity? That's the one thing Kevin King can't do, right? I've always said, as long as you run in a straight line, Kevin King will shut you down. It's when you kind of move to the side that Kevin struggled. His short shuttle was a 4.28, which is 31st percentile. His three cone was a 6.94, which is 49th percentile. That ain't great. Also, his arm length is 41st percentile. He actually measured in at six foot, not six foot one. So he's actually coming in a little bit shorter. Uh, weight 192 he weighed, so 51st percentile. So he's pretty average with his height. He's extremely fast, but his agility is very poor. So he's a fast guy that is not very good as far as his agility. That's problematic. That's what Kevin King was. And then if you go over to his PFF stuff, if you look at it, it looks as though he had a massive jump in, in uh, let's see, 2018 at Northwestern. He had a 53 overall grade, which is terrible. He went to a 63 overall grade, which is a small jump, but, you know, whatever. Then he jumped up to an 80 overall with an 83.8 coverage grade. That's fantastic. The problem is it was a very condensed season. He played uh, six total games, and of those six games, three of them were good, three of them were not. And because there were only six games, three positive games really makes him look very, very good. So, you know, I'm not just going to sit here and dog the guy having never watched him, but there's not a lot that I love about Greg Newsom other than he ran a fast 40, which if we haven't learned that that's almost useless in the NFL, I don't know how, how to really help out. Right, Jair runs a quick 40. He's quick. He's fast. That has very little to do with why he's so good. It has something to do with it. I'm sure that, I mean, there's there's the makeup speed. We've seen a couple times, and it's one of those things where on some plays, it really shows up. There's a couple picks where he comes from way downtown, a um, couple pass breakups, whatever, where they're just coming from really far away, where if they didn't have that next gear, they wouldn't have been able to get there. It helps, but on a play-to-play basis, just sticking with a guy, it's not just a speed thing. So a little disappointing with those numbers, to be completely honest. That's not to say the Packers won't, go after him. I'm just saying those are concerning. And um, everybody understands that the Packers were hanging out at Northwestern um, at their pro day. Brian Gutekunst was there. And usually when, when the whole crew shows up, there's somebody they're really checking out. This happened two years ago where they all piled into Michigan. And we were trying to figure out which Michigan guy they were interested in. And obviously it was Rashawn Gary. In fact, that was the first time I mentioned that maybe it could be Rashawn Gary that they're looking at because he kind of fits the mold of what the Packers are doing. It just felt kind of unlikely because, first of all, I think Gary was supposed to go be gone before they even got to the Packers. And second of all, um, we just got Preston and Zedaria, so it was like they're probably not getting an edge rusher. But, you know, again, they pile in there, they're watching somebody. The other guy that's, that I mean, there's, there's a few different guys there, but the other guy that's interesting is Rashawn Slater. Now, he's another guy that's supposed to be long gone, but you're talking about, 48840 time, which is 97th percentile for a tackle, 98th percentile for a guard. And his three cone was a 748, which is 83rd percentile for a tackle and 87th percentile for a, for a guard. I mean, this is a hyper-athletic tackle. Again, probably won't make it, but if, if I had to super guess which one they're more interested in, <laughs> Based on those numbers, I'm thinking Rashawn Slater. Now, it could be one of those things, too, where it's same with Michigan. It's that there's a lot of prospects that fit what we're looking for, and that was the truth with Michigan. So it's like we can really hammer several prospects in one go. But I think Rashawn Slater got a big green check mark. Um, I'm not so sure about Greg Newsom. Now, there's also Patty Fisher. Um, 
again, you're talking about a tackle, a a cornerback, and a linebacker, also an edge rusher, Ernest Brown, I guess. I don't know. I've never, never heard of him, but he was there. But you've got a lot of players, a lot of positions of need, and a lot of really good players. So you can understand why they showed up there. But Patty also didn't do all that great. In fact, uh, three cone was the only one above 50% outside of things like arm length, where he has 80th percentile, which not that that means nothing, but it's, you know, not exactly the, I mean, he's tall and he has long arms. So there you go. But um, his 40 yard dash is a 491, which is third percentile as in zero three. So, you know, I don't know. I usually that's a really good indication when they all pile into one place that they're really going after somebody. Um, if Rashawn Slater starts to fall, be on the lookout for a trade-up. But as of right now, he's nearly a top-10 prospect. And considering the positional value, I don't think he makes it, um, you know, he, he ain't going to make it very far. If he makes it to 15, I'll be shocked. And even at that point, it's like, be on the lookout. Not that they would trade up to 15, but, you know, it's they're starting to make some calls to see when they can move up. But um, again, as far as very popular Greg Newsom. If you're into it, cool. I, I don't know that I can necessarily sign off on it. He's not necessarily my favorite. I'm sure I've got some, uh, let me see what games I've got. I can watch of his. Looks like Ohio State and Nebraska, which is solid because those are two like right smack dab in the middle. I guess I'll watch him. Might possibly have a little bit of all 22 footage on him. I'm just saying, I don't know. Um, most of the pro days are still coming up. Uh, we did get a couple more that are somewhat interesting. Uh, the Badgers, there's not really too much there. Cole Van Landen at tackle. Uh, Rashad, Rashad, Wild Goose, whatever. Uh, not really elite prospects. Uh, Clemson did have their pro day. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is not an option. Travis Etienne can pretty much rule him out considering our situation. Um, Jackson Carmen is somewhat interesting. He is a tackle. Pretty solid tackle at six foot five, three thirty five. though. First of all, 335 is a big boy. Second of all, his arm length is a very serious problem. And I, I know that that happens every time, right? Somebody picks on somebody's arm length, and then it's, you know, David Bakhtiari comes out and says, they picked on my arm length too, and look at me now. And it's a whole big thing. It will happen again. We're talking 32 and a half inch, which is seventh percentile for tackles. Again, when we're talking about a guy that's 335 pounds, I really think he's got a good shot of playing guard. He may be a tackle. I don't know. But this is a guy that could potentially be tried at guard problem is he's never played anywhere other than left tackle. So you're kind of taking a risk there. He didn't do any of the agility or speed or any of that kind of stuff. So again, it's, you know, I, I tend to think Jackson Carmen is going to probably fall from where he was. He measured in, a, a tackle measured in where it's not very likely that he's going to be a tackle and he's never really played guard and he didn't do any of the agility or speed stuff. So it's like, I don't have any information to go off of here. So I don't really know. Uh, somebody that is very interesting, though, is Amari Rogers. He did come in under 5'10", which isn't great. Um, weight is 212 pounds, though. So, I mean, it, you got a guy that's 10th percentile in height, but 75th percentile in weight. He's a big dude, man. He's kind of a bulldozer for his size. So, and I think that matters. I think part of the problem with some of these smaller guys that, you know, especially the Packers have been worried about recently is durability. But if, if you got 212 pounds of muscle packed onto that frame, you can probably hold your own a little bit more so. Um, his 40-yard was a 4-5-1, not super elite, but, you know, again, it's just about being a good football player. Um, again, though, you got the short shuttle at 4-3-6, which is 22nd percentile. Three-cone is 7-1-2, which is 19th percentile, which is just flat-out bad. So I know he's another guy that's pretty popular among um, Packer fans. I would say based on what I'm seeing, um, it's relatively unlikely that the guy ends up 
I'm not just going to say being a Packer, but for a team that really, first of all, likes bigger wide receivers, second of all, really puts a lot of uh, stock in, you know, spark scores, not necessarily that they use spark score, but high agility, high speed, all these kinds of, of you know, whatever. It just seems likely that somebody's going to pick him up before we do. Plus, he's he's primarily a slot guy, and the Packers don't seem to generally like like strictly slot guys. Again, not to say they wouldn't do it, but it just it feels like somebody else is going to value him higher than the Packers, but we'll see how it goes. Um, you did have Samuel Cosme go. He is the Texas offensive tackle. He is currently sitting at 29th overall, so this is right in the sweet spot for the Packers. It is a position of need, and uh, I got to say he did phenomenally. In fact, it's so good now that I, I kind of feel like, know that, that it's very likely he ends up, you know, being there at 29. He was, I mean, Samuel Cosme was the number two tackle for a long time. It was Penny Sewell and then Sam Cosme, and then it was just nobody for a while. He has fallen. Other guys have shot up the boards, but six foot six, 314 pounds. Arm length is 33 inches. Again, not super ideal, but you know, we're getting there. But it's the athleticism that's ridiculous. 98th percentile in broad jump, 98th percentile in the bench, 98th percentile um, in the bench again. I don't know why they put that twice. 98th percentile in the 40 time, 98th percentile in the short shuttle, 94th percentile in the three cone. His athleticism is off the charts for a team that loves athletic tackles. And no, I don't think that changed from McCarthy to, to LaFleur. Um, no. So, I mean, this guy's incredible. And if he's around at that time, I think you can put a, a big circle around it. I think the Packers would love to have this guy. Um, he's played left and right tackle. He didn't play right tackle in 2019 or 2020, but he started off at right tackle in 2018. It's pretty common. You know, you're a rookie. You're just coming out. We've already got a left tackle. We'll put you at right tackle. And then he earns that spot as the left tackle either moves on or it's clear that you're just way better. But he's just gotten so much better over the years. I mean, he started off solid. And um, by the time 2020 rolled around at left tackle, 90.8 overall grade, 90.7 pass blocking, 86.4 run blocking. Um, all of those had improved over time. Just, just a, just a fantastic football player with great athleticism. And at six foot seven, I mean, he's a, he's a big, big. Well, what did he officially six six is what he officially signed in at. You've also got edge rusher Joseph Asai out of Texas. Um, he didn't do any agility stuff, which is pretty important. But one of the most important things for edge rushers is explosion. And um, his his broad jump was a 131 and a half, which is 99th percentile. His 40 time was 80th percentile. His vert, which is another explosion drill, 99th percentile at 41 and a half. So he he's a he really checks the boxes there as well. Not super uh, likely the Packers take him, but again for a team that, like I've always said, every team drafts for need, and every team drafts best player available. It's a sliding scale though. Some teams are more toward need. Some teams are more toward uh, best player available. The Packers tend to be closer to the best player available side of things. So if Joseph Asai is the top guy, and, and we're also looking at a situation where we kind of put Zadarius in an untenable position where we can't really pay him, and Preston's probably going after this year, and we don't really know what Rashawn's going to be. I don't think it's impossible we end up going edge rusher if that is the top of the board. And with Joseph Asai possibly sitting there, the guy could be um, top of the board. Caden Stearns is another possibility at safety. Again, great with explosion, great 40 time, didn't do, or he did do a short shuttle, which was 65th percentile, which isn't terrible. Um, NDSU did their pro day as well. Not only is Trey Lance there, but you got Dylan Radins, however you say his name. Um, not terrible. 
His 40 time was 72nd percentile. His explosion, the the broad jump was 92nd percentile, 113 vert was 87th percentile with 32 inches. And his three cone was a 727, which is 97th percentile. So it's another guy that's kind of a second round prospect, but he could end up, if the Packers really, really like the guy, could end up being an option. He seems to have the athleticism. Um, Oklahoma did have their pro day, so Creed Humphrey is, is an option with Corey Lindsley moving on. Um, as of right now, Creed Humphrey is consensus around 41, so it would probably have to be first round if they were to get Creed Humphrey, but second uh, second round is a possibility if he slides. He's a center, you never know. But again, no real red flags. I mean, everything is, is solid. I think his lowest number in terms of percentile was his three-cone drill where he was 70th percentile, as high as 96th percentile with his vert. So again, he's got everything you need. Very, very talented guy. No red flags there. Uh, Ronnie Perkins off the edge. Unfortunately for a guy that you kind of see as a smaller, speedier guy, um, his 40-yard dash was a 4.74, which is only 57th percentile. His broad jump is, does not really have the explosion. 34th percentile in his vert, 42nd percentile in his broad jump. Not super impressive. And again, um, at 6'2", 253, it's not exactly the way the NFL is going, and it's not really the way the Packers are going. Now, we do have a new defensive coordinator. Maybe he wants a guy that's a little um, smaller, speedier, kind of bend-around-the-edge guy. But again, I don't know that that's what Ronnie Perkins is. Uh, Pittsburgh had their pro day. A lot of real good defenders at Pittsburgh. Uh, Jalen Twyman, the defensive lineman, had a absolutely horrific 40 time. Uh, he's six foot 301, so he, or, excuse me, six one 301, so he's not very big. But if you're not going to be very big, you need to be somewhat athletic. His 40 time was a 5.51, which is first percentile, the lowest 1%. His three cone was an eight second three cone, which is 11th percentile. His broad jump, 34th. So his explosion is really low. His 40 time is about the worst you'll ever see. And his three cone was about as bad as it gets. So Twyman did a decent job in college. He graded out fine. He did really well. Um, if you're just looking for a guy to plant his feet and possibly, I mean, at this point, just start eating donuts and try to become a nose tackle. I don't know what to tell you, man, because that's brutal. Uh, safety Paris Ford, about as bad. Uh, again, he did fine in college, but first percentile in, in vert, first percentile in 40 time, first percentile in three cone. I mean, he's going to completely fall off. I mean, this is, this is, I, there was a guy, I think he played for Alabama who was considered like a first round prospect and he did. He ended up having like a pro day or something. Like he was real coy about it and didn't want to do any measurements or whatever. And there were just like rumors that he ran an unbelievably slow 40. And I think he ended up falling in the like fourth or fifth round. And now nobody even talks about him because he's no good. These numbers are basically undraftable numbers. So um, again, uh, Pittsburgh did a really good job, but all these guys just, it's not going well. Rashad Weaver off the edge, um, you know, 36th percentile in broad jump, 41st in vert. Uh, 33rd percentile with a 4.8340. His his short shuttle and three cone are fine, but everything else is terrible. Um, edge rusher Patrick Jones, another guy that was considered a second round prospect, was seventh percentile in his broad jump, 47th in his bench, 28th in his vert, 34th in arm length. Everything is just bad. So absolutely brutal with that. Uh, Georgia had their pro day. A couple really good cornerbacks there. Eric Stokes. Uh, the big thing with Stokes was his 4.3440 time. Got a lot of people excited. He didn't do agility drills, so it's kind of one of those things where I would love to know at that speed, can you can you move? But, uh, you know, great with his vert and his broad jump, which kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with 40. Not always, but, you know, got a lot of power in the lower body. You can kind of do both things. That's going to be a really big question mark because at this point, Eric Stokes is is higher on the list. Now, at, at some level, you're still just saying, okay, but can you play football? But, I mean, just in terms of what the guy can do, 
Eric Stokes seems to be a little bit higher up. On top of that, Eric Stokes has three really good years at cornerback at Georgia, unlike uh, Newsom, who was really bad for two years and then had three good games out of six in uh, 2020. Uh, you've also got cornerback Tyson Campbell. These two tend to be hand in hand. He also ran really fast, 4.37. I it's funny because I was like, which one of these guys ran a really fast 40? I know it's one of the two. No, actually, it's both. Eric Stokes was 4.34. Tyson Campbell was 4.37. Um, he didn't really do anything else other than a 40. So again, you got to wonder about all these other things. Does he have some problems with agility and everything else? He just wanted to showcase that one strength. Maybe I don't know. I got nothing else to go off of. Um, you got edge rusher Aziz Ojolari, who did really well. Um, he's a smaller guy, but, you know, again, when you're looking for smaller guys, I'm looking for speed bend. He ran a 4.640, which is pretty quick. He did not do agility drills, but, again, this is a little bit more what you're looking for in a smaller edge rusher. Horrible day for Richard LeCount, the safety. He was kind of a later-round guy, and now he's going to be really, really late. DJ Daniel, the cornerback, uh, did not do very well. Ben Cleveland, the guard, didn't really do anything, but... Uh, I mean, he's big, so so there's that. My man, Immatter Baby, just absolutely killed it. Six foot one, two hundred and twenty three pounds out of Illinois, wide receiver. Um, the only thing he did was his vert, and it's obvious why. He wanted to showcase that forty six point five, which is hundredth percentile. In other words, he's top of the top. Now, what good is that? I don't know, but he can jump. In fact, let me just check one thing. The question for me is: if you're just a jumper, if you're six foot one, you're two hundred twenty pounds. 200, what, what did he weigh in at? He's uh, 6'1", 223, so that was pretty close. How are you with 50-50 balls? Contested catch percentage is 71.4%. Now, that's only on a couple uh, passes. His career uh, contested catch percentage is 48%, which is not great. So, I don't know, man. I mean, you show up at your pro day, you show, hey, look how high I can jump, but you don't grade out super well via PFF, and again, at 6'1", 225 or whatever, um, you're barely getting 50-50 balls 50% of the time. I love your last name. I will say it till the day I die, but eh. Um, Auburn, uh, one of the, the, the guy that got everybody excited was Seth Williams, the wide receiver, ran a 4 2 and also had a 123-inch broad jump, which is a 60, uh, 62nd percentile. His vert was only 32 inches, though, which is 11th percentile, but um, blazing fast. I mean, if you just want a guy that's, again, he showed up to his pro day. He showcased what he can do well. Uh, he's six foot one eighty six, so a little bit on the smaller side. Seth Williams is the other Auburn wide receiver. He's a little bit more what the Packers I think are looking for. Not that they wouldn't like four two six, but six foot three, two hundred and eleven pounds. A four five forty is not bad, especially at that size. Broad jump invert was seventieth percentile. Again, no agility drills, but uh, he's big. He's relatively fast, and he's explosive. Uh, Stanford tackle Walker Little. He's. I mean, this is a guy that's been. You know, two drafts ago, he was considered a first-round prospect, but he got hurt, so he decided to go back to school. Last year, he got hurt, so he decided to go back to school. It's just this never-ending cycle where the guy cannot stay healthy. And at this point, the consensus seems to be that he's kind of undraftable. He's so broke down. He doesn't have what he used to have. Um, his numbers aren't as bad as I was expecting. His 40 time was pretty slow at 5.29, which isn't great, but his agility drills are not bad. 82nd percentile short shuttle, 89th percentile three cone. Um, he may have redeemed himself a bit. His broad jump was 111, which is 83rd percentile. He's still, I mean, he's six foot seven. Arm length is still not that great considering his height, but, you know, whatever. He's a big dude. He may have redeemed himself a little bit, but he's got some massive red flags. Cornerback Paulson Adebo actually did quite well. He's a guy that's been sliding down the boards quite a bit. Uh, the explosion is not great, but uh, his 40 time was a 442, which is plenty fast, and his shuttles 
77th percentile, three cone, 90th percentile. So that's pretty solid. Anyways, that's, uh, that's about it as far as guys that we care about. We've got a bunch more coming up, though. In fact, some of these are done but have not been updated quite yet, it looks like. This was Friday, March 19th, so they'll probably fill some of these results in Memphis, Ohio, and TCU. TCU's got some guys. I think Memphis has at least one, uh, two maybe guys. March 22nd, which is today, we've got Air Force, Bowling Green, Colorado State, Florida State, Iowa, Missouri, Northern Iowa, and Toledo. So hopefully by tomorrow we'll have a little bit more information on some of these prospects. I'll try to do it daily as opposed to doing them all in one day. Tomorrow's a big day because you got Alabama, you got Iowa State, Nebraska, Purdue, and Central Michigan. So there's some pretty big programs there. Wednesday, Michigan State, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Southern California, and Virginia. Thursday is Georgia Southern, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Texas, Penn State, San Diego State, Southern Methodist, Tennessee, Western Michigan, and Friday, Boston College, Brigham Young, Michigan, South Dakota State, and Virginia Tech. So that's this week. So we got a lot of guys that are going to be uh, answering some questions, assuming that they actually do it. Looks like most of these guys did not do all the drills. But again, it, it, once, once we start getting numbers, that's when these boards gen, generally move quite a bit. Um, again, it may not be quite as much because there's not as much stock being put in. But, um, you know, again, some of these guys have such, such either really, really good numbers like uh, Samuel Cosme or just pathetically horrible numbers where it's like, I, I can't even, you know, Pittsburgh basically in general, great defense, but every single one of those guys is just going to completely fall off the boards. But anyways, I got to get going. I am uh, beyond massively late at this point, but you know, got to do what you got to do. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one and bye-bye. 